Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards. With me is Mr. Josh Humphreys. Hey. Hey, Josh. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, yep. no guest today, but we, well, we are the guest today. You. You are you. our guest. You, the listener. Be you are our guest. guest. Be <laughs> our guest. Lumiere. Uh, uh, but anyway, it is... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about who was Lumiere and who was Cogsworth. Oh, You're sorry. Lumiere. Oh. I'm Cogsworth. Oh, is that is that really how you see it? I, I see it that way. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. I'll be <laughs> Lumiere. Anyway, today on Understanding Jesus, we are finding some really good stuff in the book of Leviticus. And so when you find good stuff in the book of Leviticus, it's worth worth paying attention to. So I hope I hope you just join us just for that. But also we look in the Gospel of Mark and uh, we tackle the Pharisees and uh, and tread on them for a little bit and talk about their hypocrisy and a little bit of our own. And uh, as well, looking at the Psalms and uh, and uh, we mine a little bit from that as well. So and the Proverbs. And the Proverbs. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of it. We all hit, of it. We hit we everything hit today. today. Yeah, so it's going to be a great podcast. Hope you will stay with us on this edition of Understanding Jesus. We're going to take a look at some different passages that stood out to us in our Bible reading uh, this week. And uh, today, Josh is going to kick us off. Josh. Um, um, So this week, both of my like my like um, devotion points are just really like simple. Mm. There's like not much to them because sometimes simple is good. It it was really good. Like it was just like really, really like simple, simple stuff. So Mark 7, 33 through 35 says this. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, oh wait, um, Jesus is is with a deaf mute man right now, <laughs> so Dang. it's not just some random human. Okay, <laughs> and taking him aside from the crowd privately, Jesus put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looking up to the heaven, he sighed and said to him, some Greek word that I don't know how to pronounce, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke uh, plainly. Um, so this was something that was super interesting to me because when we see deaf people or mute people now, there is no way of healing them. Like deaf people are deaf and mute people cannot speak. So that's just it. No matter if you do a cochlear implant, implant, like that doesn't cure deaf. Like you are just deaf. You cannot hear. Um, and if you are mute, you cannot speak like that. Just, it just doesn't happen. But here, Jesus with no technology, no, like, no nothing. No cochlear implant. Yeah, right. Yeah. He just literally speaks. Mm. And then the deaf guy can hear, and his tongue is untied, like it says here in Scripture. And this man speaks plainly and hears. And it was just that. There's yeah. Jesus doing what he does, John 1, 1, like, yeah. creating life and order amongst darkness and confusion. Like, it's, I mean, it just reminded me of Genesis 1, like, when he speaks and then it happens. And it's just like he commands it to be undone and it is undone. And that is just, that's it. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. And it is Ephatha. Ephatha. Okay, but it's yeah. Aramaic. And oh. So Jesus spoke in Aramaic. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. In fact, if you watch The Passion of oh, the Christ, right. the movie you haven't watched. Yeah. <laughs> Have you still not watched it? No. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're old enough. You can watch it. I seriously probably you, have. Well, I watched Encanto. It's, that's, that's it's completely in Aramaic. The whole movie's in Aramaic. Yeah. Well, except for the parts where the Jewish, the Romans are speaking and so forth. But right. Uh, but Jesus speaks in Aramaic through the, because that was right. a language that was his common tongue 
at the time. I did know that. And uh, the original, just, and some of the original New Testament writings are in Aramaic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It looked Greek to me when I was looking at it in the Bible. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, uh, but that makes sense that it's Aramaic. Yeah. I've, what I'm really impressed is I'm watching the closed captioning uh-huh. um, on our my screen as we're we're recording this, yeah, and uh, and it actually spelled out Ephatha. Wow, yeah, which I'm uh, really that's crazy. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, so that's the simplicity that like even now we cannot do this. But you know, this is one of those interesting passages to me too because he uh, it's the spitting part. You know, yeah, it's like he, he did he did that. Well, he did that with this guy, and then with the blind guy, uh-huh. he spit and and touched his eyes. And remember, the guy said people look like trees, and then he had to go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. And and so it was a two step type of yeah. deal. And uh, and one of the things that uh, really stood out to me uh, in that passage, and I can't remember if that was in this past week's reading or not. I, 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 anyway, if yeah. it is, it was a question I was going right. to deal with. But um, but when um, uh, I'm gonna hold that. Well, I'm gonna hold that thought because I'm gonna. I'll do it with oh. the question and answer time. Wow. Um, okay. Great. Well, you have no, a question. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that Dang. But now I'm curious. Okay. Well, let me go into it. I'll tell oh, you. Okay. That. It's all the same podcast. Yeah. So here's the deal. When uh, when I was reading that about when uh, with, with the blind guy, not in this particular instance mm-hmm. with the deaf mute, but but same kind of process here. And it's interesting that Mark would record these details. Yeah. This two step kind of thing. But in that particular passage, uh, you had um. Uh, you had well, it actually. I'm I'm glancing ahead. It is in chapter eight, so it's right mm-hmm. after this. So right after, so you have this event, and then right after, oh, John right. Rec- uh, Mark records this other event. And here's what's fascinating about it: right before and after, you have these events where Jesus is saying, "Who do people say that I am?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and the disciples are like, uh, "People say you're John the Baptist or Elijah and all these different." He says, "Who do you say that I am?" Mm-hmm. And and Peter says, "You are the Christ." you know, mm-hmm. the Messiah. And then, um, and then you have, uh, you have events that are happening, uh, like where they're in the boat and Jesus talks something about the leaven, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, yeah. and they didn't quite understand it. And, and then you see that Peter then makes this comment, uh, I'm, I'm skipping around here, but Peter makes this comment after he, he says that you're the, the Christ. Peter makes this comment about how, um, that when Jesus says, I've, you know, got to be whatever, um, betrayed and yeah and 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 peter's like i'll never gonna let this happen to you you know and he says get behind me satan Mm -hmm. you have this mark is illustrating that while each of these in each of these events while there is a revelation they Mm -hmm. see they don't see everything Mm -hmm. and so in the same way when he heals this guy he lays his hands on him and he shows this uh, particular he gives these particular details to show that sometimes when that healing comes, when that first revelation comes, there's not clarity. And, well, and it takes yeah. that second mm-hmm. moment for Jesus to then, yeah. that second touch. Now, some people might jump in on that and say, ah, the second blessing. But, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, is a, a theological thing that some <laughs> yeah. people throw yeah. in. But it's not the second blessing at all. But it is a, it is a demonstration that there is this uh, reality that without the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, we don't have any clarity. And even with the Holy Spirit, because we're still in a fallen world, even even then, our we don't we see through a mirror dimly, as yeah, Paul would say. Right. Uh, and and then there will be come a time when we will see Him face to face. Yeah. Uh, so I just I thought it was interesting how it's when like you're looking at the here. looking at the details that mm-hmm. Mark is including in this, because it's like why would he say 
that this guy is that Jesus lays his hands on him, touches his eyes, spits on him, you know, spits on his eyes or whatever, and, and then touches yeah. him. First it's gross, but anyway, yeah. goes this process, and then all of a sudden says the guy says he looks up and he says I see people, but people seem like trees. Uh, and then, so he touches him again and then asks him to look up and then he can see clearly. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, what is, this a weird story to include. Why would you not just say mm -hmm. he just got healed? Uh, but, <laughs> but he, I mean, I mean seriously, <laughs> no, I mean, really, yeah. but he's, but he was illustrating that, uh, sometimes there is that it is not instantaneously. Yeah. We don't clearly see that which we need to see. Mm -hmm. And the disciples did not see Jesus as they needed to see him. And it was evident over and over again. Mm -hmm. He's walking with them and talking with them. They're right in the presence of Jesus Christ the whole time. And yet they don't get the feeding of the mm -hmm. 5,000. They don't get the feeding of the 4,000. You know, they, they're, they're not c completely understanding when he, when he says, I'm going to die and I've got to die. And they're not getting that. Mm -hmm. They definitely don't get the parts where he's saying he's going to be raised from the dead. They're not yeah. understanding any of these things at all. Uh, so, so these are, this is, and this kind of, for all of us, it's kind of a, I, I realized that, that Jesus did come into my life and touched me and made me new and made me mm -hmm. whole, but there was still so much I didn't oh, get. Yeah. And, um, and yet that, yet I, you have the healing. I think that's one thing that, uh, that, uh, you know, it's sometimes you think when Jesus comes and he healed that person, that everything at that point was yeah. perfect for them, but it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it was just, he just gave them this ability back. Yeah. There's still people, fallen people. There's something interesting that it may not be too much, honestly, but I just like Jesus. Um, if you just read the Bible or like, if you were like, let's just back up. If we were in this day and age mm -hmm. watching this happen, it's weird. Like, that's a really weird thing to do is for him to spit on the girl. He had just laid his hands on this guy. G he, Jesus just laid his hands on this deaf guy. And then he stuck his fingers. <laughs> yeah, literally in these guys ears and then spit on the ground and then looked up and said, or whatever that word is. Ephatha. And then that was it. But then we see him spit on the ground, rubbing it on those people's eyes. And this guy, when the, when the lady touches his garment and his power goes, and he said, power went out for me like that, yeah. like this, it seems really weird, and I was thinking about it today, but then I was like, it's not weird. It's holy. Like, of right. course, like, it's unlike anything else. Like, right. Jesus is not, he's not a Pharisee. Like, he would not, he was not walking around and doing things that Pharisees did. Like, he was being God right. <laughs> amongst humans. Like, he was being the son of man. And I just, like, had that moment of, like, it may it may look weird, and it Peter does. and Peter did was like you've got to stop saying this stuff. And you think in terms of, uh, I was thinking about this too. How he, why would he? Some points he doesn't go to somebody's house. Yeah, and he just they're yeah they're they're good. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're right. alive or right. whatever. You right, know? and uh, yeah. heals people from a distance. <laughs> they're just sleeping. And so here, <laughs> so here he is. Uh, you have uh, people who like mm -hmm. touching him of garment heals yeah. him. Didn't, so he literally didn't even lay hands on him. And other blind people see yeah. just at his word lepers healed. Right. And yet here you have him mixing mud, spitting, yeah, kind of things. It's like why would he do that? And, and it and it takes me back to the Old Testament. And God dealing with Moses, mm -hmm. where he says, Moses, strike the rock, and then Moses, speak to the rock, mm -hmm. and then Moses, do this, and throw this in there, and do this, and do that. And each, uh, and then w especially with, with Elijah and Elisha, you, yeah. you have different things like yeah. that. And in each event, I, I realized that God is saying, 
the Holy Spirit is so in tune with Jesus that he's saying, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do in this particular right. circumstance for right. this particular person. Right. For whatever reasons yep. are mine. Yep. And and this is this is how this is going to work in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to work. You don't do it this way next time. Right. But but it, for this time, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And uh, and so it's I, I think they caught the details of that. Yeah. But it. But if whether it showed him to be a prophet, whether it connected mm-hmm. something with him, whether that was the type of faith they had, yeah, that's they needed that for the faith they had. Right. They needed right. him to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know, but it was perfection. Uh, whatever the case, it was exactly what yeah. God wanted, and that's what he did. And that was something I've been praying over these uh, past two weeks, and um, just something that the Lord has just shown me in Psalm 46 that the song. Uh, from Shane and Shane that we sing, it continues to say, "Oh, where else would we go but with the Lord of Hosts?" Mm. And I, I was, I've been talking with people about my life and like just you know looking on the past four years and the in the year just to come, and I just keep having to say that to myself, "Oh, where else would we go with the Lord of Hosts?" Like, mm. it's not gonna look normal. Like in our lives, it's not gonna look normal. It may look like me putting my fingers in a dude's ear and then praying and then the dude is not deaf anymore, you know, like, right. but what, like, what else, I mean, what else would the Lord do? Like the Lord, if he calls you to do something, you do it. Like, where right. else would you go? What else would you do? Like right. the Lord, he's right there and he's the one asking you to do it. And that's, you know, Galatians keep in step with the spirit. And I don't know. That's just something that's been sticking out to me is yeah, the Lord ask you to do sometimes really weird things like speak he to does. a rock <laughs> and there are times when i sense he's asking me to do something and i'm and i remember not i didn't do it yeah it's like i'm yep. not gonna do that i'm mm-hmm. not gonna walk back over there and pick that up or do whatever yeah. you're you know it's like i don't feel it's like <laughs> and i feel when i leave those moments well his grace is sufficient yeah i feel like i missed something you missed something yeah that he yeah that I, I will not know what he's gonna do anyway. That's yeah. passage. It's awesome. That's an awesome part of the gospel, Mark. It is really cool. Um, I wanted to read something from um, Leviticus uh, because everybody loves the book of Leviticus. I actually do love the book of Leviticus. I actually, yeah, I really in, do too. In portions. Let me just qualify that. There are <laughs> certain passages within the book of Leviticus, and this is one of those passages, and it comes um, uh, in chapter 25, yeah. Uh, tw- yeah, chapter 25. He says, if your brother becomes destitute, this is chapter 25, verse 35. If your brother becomes destitute and cannot sustain himself among you, you are to support him as an alien or temporary resident so that he can continue to live among you. Do not profit or take interest from him, but fear your God and let your brother live among you. You are not to lend him your silver with interest or sell him your food for profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If your brother among you becomes destitute and sells himself to you, you must not force him to do slave labor. Let him stay with you as a hired worker or temporary resident. He may work for you until the year of Jubilee. And I, I think this is one of those things that I look at and I think, uh, you know, this is um, God anticipates that there are going to be those among us who are poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and whatever the story is, however it happens, uh, there are people who um, we say fortune smiles upon this person. But in the world that we have, in the system of the world, uh, so it, it benefits some and doesn't benefit others. When one person becomes wealthy, the wealthier this person is becoming, usually it's at the expense of somebody. You know this because a new restaurant comes to town and is doing really well. It's doing excellently well. And then this restaurant over here shuts down. Well, that's one family that could 
you know, that who knows what their story is mm-hmm. and what, or, you know, how, you, and we, so you can always second guess, but the poor are, in fact, Jesus says the poor are always, you always have with you. Mm-hmm. He's not saying don't take care of the poor. He's just saying, hey, this is not a really good, ex- this is an excuse not to worship me in this moment because mm-hmm. you always are, should be taking care of the poor and looking after them. Uh, and so God has specific commands within his word, especially uh, in the Old Testament when he was given the law. He said, here's how I want you to care for the poor. Now, Jesus doesn't take away that from mm-hmm. us, even though this is the Old Testament and the law and so forth. In fact, I think he he kind of elevates it and is like, I, you know, I think that we are to be uh, always caring for the poor. And this is this is something that's elevated in um in like the book of James. I was going to say, and, yeah. And so forth that, that she showed that's, that's really where faith is demonstrated that we have the spirit of God within us and the faith of Christ because we are taking care of it's it's a system of blessing um one another with a spirit of kindness and gentleness these are uh fruit of course of the holy spirit greed is what hinders us from being servants of the most high mm. um greed lures us into either self-advancement or self-preservation uh but it makes us incapable of bringing god Glory. We worship. We are worshiping God when we are caring for His people, and and those are the two things I think that we have to always be aware of: self advancement, self preservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like is I'm I'm trying to keep this for myself because it will help me become better mm-hmm. and or bring more glory to myself, or I'm terrified that if I if I give this to you, then who's going to take care of me? Yeah. And the, that's why Jesus re- responded when the widow gave her last bit or whatever put in two mites uh and that jesus said she gave more than anybody else because she gave her well-being mm-hmm. and and so she's she's giving in faith which, which we talked about faith and trust are yeah. really hand in hand so she's trusting that god i'm going to give this so that others can be taken care of so that you can be blessed so that you can be glorified and i trust that you will take care of me even yeah. though i'm giving it and um and people will all the time say, well, if I give that, then I don't have enough to care, take care mm-hmm. of me. And yet God's word says, test me in this. Yeah. Test me yep. and see that if you don't give it, that I still won't take care of you. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's such a, it, it's why it's called faith. That's why it's called yeah. trust. It really is. It comes to a point. It's always going to present itself that mm-hmm. way. It's always going to present itself in such a way where you're thinking, if I give this, who's going to take care of me? Mm-hmm. You know, how am am I going to be okay? Yeah. And, um, and it will, it, it will never come in such an easy way where mm-hmm. you don't have to trust God because you already have enough to care for yourself. Um, it always, uh, it always comes in a matter of trust. But. Yeah. I, I actually <laughs> have been praying for the Lord to challenge me in that. And wow, he, I know ugh, I, I've, my whole life have struggled with finances yeah. and being very like self preserving with them and just like trying to like be like oh i'm a good steward but really i'm not stewarding at all i'm just like keeping up money behind me and then this past semester i didn't really like the one that we're currently in i wasn't having like a full-time part-time job like i was just kind of like here and here there hours here and um and i was about to get my paycheck the week after and my friend who is very dear like very very dear to me had just told me that her and her husband didn't have money to get groceries and i had like less than 150 dollars in my bank account right and i was like oh no 
<laughs> hey god i know that you i know that you just called me to give money like i know that yeah. and that's like i was like i don't even know i don't even know like how am i gonna get through the next week right but they don't like both of them are working two jobs a piece like and i'm here i am with 150 dollars, yeah. and i don't have bills at home and i don't have to like i don't have to pay for groceries I right none of this stuff and I was like, all right, God, well, then how much do you want me to give? And I prayed and it, I mean, it didn't take all my money away, but it took a lot of it. And I gave that money and I was like, okay, it's going to be okay. And it was like, I mean, it was okay. Was it stretching for me? Yeah, it was, but like, it was okay. But I also know that like then this is a crazy part. They invited um, me over and they cooked me dinner. Like, and it was just like, you know yeah but it's hard like finances are yeah are very hard well, trusting is hard yeah is hard especially with your finances and and it's also difficult because we will one thing god doesn't bless is when we are not good stewards and we yeah. spend that money on something we shouldn't right. spend it on and then all of a sudden it's like mm-hmm. I've, I've really tried to uh, when i with someone you know there have been moments i've been tempted to buy a boat yeah not say I'll never buy a boat. I'm not gonna say mm-hmm. so. If you ever see me with a boat, don't say I'm a hypocrite. This guy, <laughs> I'm just you know, pray for me. That's all <laughs> yeah. you say. But but when I'm tempted to buy a boat, I ask myself a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. One is when I don't use a boat uh, very often. I don't live near water. <laughs> right. Uh, but um, the other thing is is I say, what is this going to cost me more than the cost of the boat? Right. Because I have to maintain it. Mm-hmm. I have to get it to where it's going. I have to dedicate time to use it in mm-hmm. order to feel like the the payment was justified right. and so there's a greater cost mm-hmm. it really is like considering the cost of the boat and it's like so why would i buy this mm-hmm. if it's going to i'm going to have to give time to it mm-hmm. and more money and more yeah. resources for what yeah you know? and right. what, what am i getting out of that what is the what's the reward for my family what's the payoff is, is it really necessary is god really leading me to do this and, and thus far in my life the answer has always been no, he's not. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so you back off, and and I and that's I kind of use that as kind of the gauge for everything. You know, if I buy this game, or if I mm-hmm. if I even if I download an app on my phone, mm-hmm. even though the app's three ninety nine or whatever it costs mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm thinking, yeah, but how much time am I going to spend on mm-hmm. this app, and is it time that I do I have an excess yeah. amount of time? Right, is, right. Does this benefit right. me? Is there some type? And and it's like ninety nine percent of the time, mm-hmm. it's like it's just a waste of money because yeah. we live in a consumer world that's right. always trying to get us to spend more money. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it, but when we do indulge ourselves, when we indulge those things, all of a sudden, then that need comes along, mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, I just gave that money yep. away for something stupid. Yeah. And here's what God really wanted me yeah. to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's two hymns that have been uh, ringing in my heart since I was young, like. I don't know, probably seventh, eighth grade, uh, be thou my vision, that one. And I have to remind myself of that, Lord, be my vision, because mm-hmm. you are ruler of our, like, and you are my vision. But also, um, whatever, or it's, it is well with my soul. And the, right. the lyric, whatever my lot, that was taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And I've always known from like a young age that I wasn't going to be, you know, wealthy. Wealthy. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of known, like, I'm just not going to be that. So I, I, seriously since like being young have repeated that whatever my lot like you have given me a lot and that's okay um and i and you've made that lot for me like for me right and for your glory for for that and for my joy and for everything there and so i don't have to have all the money in the world i don't have to have you know four bedroom house with picket fence and you know flowers underneath the the windows like no if (laughs) i said this to um 
my girlfriend, I was like, if I have to live in a one bedroom apartment for the rest of my life, like, and that's what the Lord has allotted for me, like, right. that's okay. I was like, does that sound horrible? A little bit, <laughs> but I also know, like, that's what he allotted. There's something good about it, though. There and is. There's something something nice. About it. That's where people. Are, I don't think there's a whole generation. It's just why they get these uh, little houses and, right. and tiny, tiny houses. Yeah. I'm sorry. Minimalistic. And, uh, and, yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> right. Sim- and simplified places yeah. to live and so forth. That's always been appealing. Mm-hmm. And and every time I know that uh, if you watched a generation ahead of you, mm-hmm. uh, the amount of time they spent mowing the yard and oh, carrying yeah. landscaping and all right. these different things, unless you really just love those things. Which I don't. I've yeah. many times thought I'm just going to put it all in concrete, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sweep yeah, it, wash it off. But uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, but you know, but it's also phases of life. Absolutely, because the phase of life I'm in now, actually, like mowing now, I just right. kind of it's kind calming. of a nice, yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of just a nice Leave me alone. Yeah, time away yeah. from everybody as long as I have <laughs> right. protection. Right. But uh, but when you have kids and you mm-hmm. have a lot of things going on, it was a nuisance. You know, yeah. So, right. But uh, and I so we had. We've had both. We've had big yards yeah. and we've had little yards and mm-hmm. and big amounts of lots of material things and few material things and um and uh yeah you you just learned that uh it's really about um being simple. I I I got distracted there for a second because I thought what were we talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm way over here. Yeah, in this conversation. But, yeah, anyway. yeah. Well, to get us back on track. Oh, we were talking about the poor. Oh, the tra- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the year of jubilee. I just want to mention about the year of yeah. jubilee. How um how Jesus at the end that's his there that people got to be so poor. First of all, this is I think we all know this, but if you're I think the bare minimum the practice within the church when you're dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ that we should not uh it, it sh- God shows that it's his will his desire for his people that they don't give things with interest to each other mm-hmm. that they don't um uh now it doesn't mean if you have a business and somebody comes to your business and that, that's their choice but if you have a you know and you charge interest for a loan or whatever right. and so forth um i don't know maybe it applies to that as well but uh, but he's saying here, like, if you come to me and have a need and, and I say, here's $50 to help you, one, I don't charge that as interest. And he, he's saying there should be this, there should be a difference in the way we relate to one another, yeah. at least as good as we would with a stranger. But if, but one step better and that we don't, we don't charge each other interest. We don't, we don't give food for a profit, mm-hmm. meaning if you need food. That I can say, hey, this cost me five dollars, so I can give it to you for five dollars, yeah. uh, but not to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. You know that that's just those things are wrong. Yeah. And uh, to take taking advantage of the poor is really what he's what yeah. he's pointing out. And and those values have been in place. I I think people sense those values even when they're not Christian. Mm-hmm. But it's important to understand they are Christian values. Mm-hmm. They are Judeo Christian values to be specific. Um, that were taken in by our nation, and uh, because we had that foundation, I, I, I think wrongly people assume that that's just the way everybody is, because it's not. That's um, not the way the world was. It was contradict counter countercultural in in that day. Um, but but because we have that foundation, that bedrock within our nation, uh, those traits are commonplace. Um, but if you don't know the original source sometimes you lose you lose your way in that but but definitely definitely in the church we should be practicing these things yeah yeah that's hard (laughs) yeah um okay so my second one is from proverbs 11 verse 2 and this is what it says when pride comes then comes disgrace but with 
humble, but with the humble is wisdom. And um, we hear this a lot, this um, contrasting between pride and uh, humility. Um, but I was, when I was reading this, it reminded me of the passage in First Timothy, First Timothy 1, um, 5 and 6, which says this, the aim of our charge, this is Paul writing to Timothy, he says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And then verse 6, it's already 6 and 7, says certain persons by swerving um, from these, from love, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And I was just thinking about uh, in, here in 11.2, especially within church theological community, it is just so annoying to be in on those conversations about the Bible, like theological conversations about the Bible. I don't want to say that they're not helpful because sometimes they are challenging and it does help us love the Lord our God with all of our mind. That's, that's very, that is very helpful. But sometimes you stray away from the point. Um, and we see that a lot. Just, there's so many, I mean, so many, so many things that Christians fight over. Um, and it's really annoying. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to say that I've never done it because I do it. And so I'm telling myself that's annoying. Don't do that, Josh. That's against what scripture says. It's prideful. It's not humble. Um, and something my mom has always told me, she says, um, always be shouting what you're for, not for what you're against. Um, and she's always said that. And I've always admired that about her um, because in college, when I was involved in college ministries, and I don't know what it is about college kids being prideful. It's just immaturity, honestly. But we just like to get in debates over, you know, whatever it was. Was it um, free will, predestination? Was it pre, post, mid-tribulation kind of rapture? Like, what are we fighting about now? Is there a heavenly council or is it just God? A lot, you know, just all this stuff that, like, it doesn't necessarily matter. Right. And so I was reading this book this week. Um, it's called... Um, God's big picture. And it's the storyline of the Bible. Um, really, really cool, really, really cool book. Um, and he was I talking, uh, Vaughn Roberts, he's British. And so, um, he, some of his words are spelled weird, okay. like, um, spoiled in this, in, in his English is spoilt S P O I L T. And I just think that's really odd anyway. Um, but um, he's he's speaking about God being the author of creation, and he says this, whether he completed the job in six literal 24-hour days or over a longer period uh, does not really matter. What is important is the fact that God is the creator of all things. Hmm. That's the important thing. Um, the other stuff, it's cool to talk about sometimes, but sometimes it's vain discussion and it leads you away from love, and then you yeah. see divisions in the church, which is why we see a bunch of denominations and like right. all this stuff. There's just division because of disagreeing theologically, people have disagreed on the a definition of words, right? That's what right. Paul talks about. And it has created division. And what Paul says to Timothy here is it's all out of love. And um, here in verse 2 of Proverbs 11 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with, with the humble is wisdom. So it is not wise to get in these discussions. It is not wise to become prideful in your knowledge of what Scripture says or whatever. Because right. the point even within Genesis 1, is that God is creator. It doesn't matter how he created it. It mattered that he created, and that's it. That's mm -hmm. all there is to it. And um, just like my mom said, like, 
and this is a question for me too, am I loud about what I'm against versus loud about what I'm for? I need mm-hmm. to be for what John three sixteen says, right. what, what scripture says as a whole, right. um, not the details. What does this word mean right here? Because those are vain and they usually lead to pride, which is disgraceful in right. Proverbs. It is a trap that we fall into. We get to looking at uh, what well, Jesus in Luke tells us, you know, don't judge lest you be judged. Mm-hmm. And but whatever measure you use in judgment, that's the same measure that's going to be used against you. Yeah. And then goes on to say, you know, if you want to really help somebody, get the beam out of your own eye so that you can get the speck out of somebody else's. And all that leads saying the same thing over and over again. But what he's saying is that we have a tendency mm-hmm. to look for the negative in a situation. Yeah. We tend to, the disciples were doing this. They were saying, oh, look, they're casting out demons, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they're not doing it. And, and you're, you know, they're uh, in your name, but they're not with us. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and even in the Old Testament with Moses in our reading last week or this week, can't remember which one, but uh, when the Spirit was on, they're prophesying over here, and they didn't come out and so forth. And mm-hmm. Moses is like, I wish everybody had the Spirit of God. Really, yeah. Jesus is echoing those words. He's like, because he says, if, hey, if they're not against us, they're with us. Yeah. And, and really, it's like, hey, you know, uh, I really have to remember this when I look at other churches and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's their ministry. Mm-hmm. God called them didn't call them whatever it is they're proclaiming the gospel uh i you know if they're proclaiming christ and christ crucified they believe in the risen lord they believe that jesus is god you know mm-hmm. basic foundational truths of the gospel yeah if the gospel is accurate then not to get caught up with secondary issues mm-hmm. especially especially tertiary issues yeah which are three right um uh, and yeah, especially if they're not my church, mm-hmm. because I'm, I don't, I mean, I'm not following what they're doing or where they're going or yeah. whatever. But even within our church, I, I look at, you know, because people kind of have problems all the time. They're always like, this is going on. This is happening mm-hmm. here. And they're doing this, you know, and so forth. And they said this and this. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you guys have a lot to think about. Uh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, it's because they don't get pulled back and realize, mm-hmm. you know, these, these people that we're dealing with, could be going to hell mm-hmm. and and it's so there's the, you, you have people right on the cusp and you're worried about this is this person's um like you said their eschatology as far as what they believe is right. going to happen and right. how they interpret revelation yeah you know, as opposed to <laughs> right. the fact that this person over here doesn't even believe in god yeah you know or doesn't believe in that or is lost mm-hmm. you know um and that's and that's where our focal point needs to be mm-hmm. There's a time for teaching. There's a time for Absolutely. addressing things. There's a time, but mm-hmm. it's more. I I more pay attention to is this is it does it match the gospel? Mm-hmm. And and if it does, then great, go for it. And yeah. um, but if it's uh, because that's the one thing we have to maintain integrity. We have to maintain integrity with yeah. the gospel message. Yes, yes. But if we're always and really have to take an account of ourselves and say, how much of my time do I spend? tearing down other people mm-hmm. within the church yeah. as opposed to building them up. Yeah. yeah. That's something my friend um, Peyton, she has always, she came from a super Pentecostal church of Christ background. One of them, I'm not really sure which one it is. And I came from very Southern Baptist, right. like, you know, culture. And so we, <laughs> we read this book together. It's called deep discipleship by JT English. Yeah. And it is a uh, ministry philosophy book. And um, we both <laughs> came from these crazy different backgrounds. Like, um, even politically, like, and, but we talked about what mattered. We talked about right. the gospel and we heard from both perspectives and something she challenged me on. She was like, 
you really just like see the worst in all their in all the denominations and i was like ouch and she was like well it's true she was like but look at the strengths that form within them she's like for example within the pentecostal within church of christ they really really are sensitive to what the holy spirit has to say and she's like but southern baptists they really understand theology she was like that's good and she's like even within the catholics they understand this reverence about god that there's something holy about him right which that, you know, we don't, you know, or something like that. And um, within even like non-denominational, there's this, this grace, this freedom. And it's like, yeah, yeah, there are strengths within the denominations and we have put up barriers and barriers and barriers because of anger, because of pride. And instead of looking at them, be like, you know what? I need to learn. I need to be sharpened by someone who's unlike me because God is using them in a, in a whole nother way. And obviously do that with wisdom, do that with, you know, humility and meekness and understanding and, but it, it's true. We always look to tear down, and that's us being like the Pharisees. Right. I remember somebody, which is going to bring me to my point in a second, but they, I remember somebody saying about how you know God has given some of us to be apostles and some to be pastors mm-hmm. and teachers and prophets and evangelists, mm-hmm. and, and how you look at different denominations, and sometimes whole denominations really reflect those aspects mm-hmm. of God. Some of us are more apostolic in nature. Whoa. Some of us are more prophetic in nature. Some of yeah. us are more pastoral teacher in nature, evangelical in nature. But um, it, sometimes within a denomination, sometimes in multiple denominations. But yes, it has... There is merit in seeing mm-hmm. that I have friends who are Methodist and friends who are Presbyterian and yeah. friends who are from all these different backgrounds who there is a lot of merit within their mm-hmm. denominations and the things they yeah, do and, absolutely. The, and the the ground they've gained for the kingdom mm-hmm. instead of just saying, no, ours is right and nobody else is, yeah. we're good right. and we're not. Um, but, uh, and we have to be faithful. That doesn't mean we should become them. It just right. means we oh, need absolutely. to be, God has revealed himself and the way he's revealed himself to mm-hmm. us because that's what makes it, and even within a church, we try to encourage mm-hmm. that. It's yeah. like, what are you passionate about? Yeah. Well, you're passionate about that for a reason. Mm-hmm. But just because you are passionate about that doesn't mean everybody is going to be. be passionate about it. In fact, well, they, that's they the whole point be. of the body. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's we all body. have different things. And it's like, you should be defending this vehemently. Absolutely. But understand, this person's defending what they defend vehemently. You know, when you're a pastor, uh, especially if you pastor for years and parented for years and I've earned the rank of grandparent now you see this a lot but when church members come to you it is funny it's like seeing your children come mm-hmm. to you and each of the children has a different perspective each thinks the other each can see the faults of the other person yeah. but can't see their own yeah and this is played out doesn't matter what age they are mm-hmm. they could be a 75 year old person the 45 or 35 25 doesn't matter but they come to you and go i'm going to tell you do you know what they're doing do you know what they're doing over there and you're looking at them going yeah, they just came to me to tell me what you were doing. And it's <laughs> right. like, and you're not, and you have no, it's like, yeah, 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 but here's why I do what I do. Yeah, you know, it's right. like, it's like, you know, they say the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, just, hey, you know what? Stop, stop worrying about that. Yeah. Let me, let me worry about that. Mm-hmm. You just focus on what it is you're doing and you do it well. Just be faithful what you're doing. Don't be paying attention. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's, and that's one of the reasons why God has put me in the role that I'm in. And that's kind of like with children, you, uh, with my children, I have to remind them, it's like, uh, you know what? You're not their dad. Yeah. So, right. And it's kind of like you're not their pastor. So yeah. Just like I said, you you be faithful in what you're doing. And if they're sinning, if it's a sin that you can show me in scriptures a sin, yeah, okay, then we'll we'll confront mm-hmm. it. In fact, you should have already confronted with them privately. Yeah. If you believe it's a sin, and you should be coming to me saying, hey, I confronted them about this, and they're refusing to repent. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the really the only time somebody should be coming to me is saying, hey, I had this discussion with this person, and I believe what they're doing is unbiblical, and they say it's not. And so I just came to get your take. Mm-hmm. And then then I can say, absolutely, let me look at that. 
And then I can either say, oh, you know, it's biblical, or I can go, oh, it's unbiblical. Let us both go. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, or I'll go. Or take two, you know, somebody, two of us are going to go. Yeah. Whatever. But that's that's why Jesus gave us a plan. Um, but anyway, that takes me to my pharisaical moment in Mark chapter 7, verse 6. It says, well, backing up a little bit. First of all, uh, here's what's happening. The Pharisees and uh, some scribes had gathered to him. Uh, they were watching the disciples. This is this is your case in point. Uh, the Pharisees are watching the disciples how they wash and that they are not doing things ceremonially correctly. Mm-hmm. And so they freak out. And so they come to Jesus. And they say, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders mm-hmm. instead of eating mm-hmm. bread with ceremonially unclean hands? Now, they think they have a great point. It's like, <laughs> look, people smarter than us, you know, the wisdom of the generations have devo- evolved to have these practices that we have to be ceremonial, clean, to in keeping with law. So it wasn't you have the law, and then it was like they would read the law and say, well, how do we actually practically carry these things? Right. Out? Very, it's a very reasonable question, and say, okay, here's how we practically. So it says, you know, it's like for instance, if you uh, if you're supposed to have be clean, purified, then how should this be done? And so they would write laws about how to clean the dish, how to how to clean your hands, you know, like 20 seconds with soap, you know, whatever <laughs> the case may be. Uh, and and this is what you're to practice. And so you get people who are like, that was 19 seconds, you know, or that was, you know, you, you only were watching, that's not the right kind of soap or whatever. You didn't mm-hmm. rush all over the hands who are watching these kind of things because that's what they feel like their God-given responsibility is. But here's how Jesus answers. He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, mm-hmm. as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines, mm-hmm. human commands. And then he says, abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. Mm-hmm. He also s- said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban, that is an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition mm. that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Now, in the law they have been given, uh, Leviticus spells out that you can make a vow and say, like, for instance, I dedicate this to the Lord, and there were specific rules of dedication. So you say, this, is, this belongs to God. And so what they were doing was within the law. So they came up with a system of rules to say, like you say, for instance, you have a um, you have a stereo system and you say, well, I dedicate this stereo system to the Lord and the valuation of it, whatever it is, give, is dedicated to the Lord. So now it's holy before the Lord. So I can't give it away. Nothing you know, can be done with it, whatever. Well, I'm, you know, I work with the temple, so I, so I get to use it, but but only as a holy way for the Lord or whatever. And and there were rules you could have to still use the thing, like mm-hmm. if you dedicated your donkey or whatever, uh, to still use it. So there were, so they, the law was given that way, and just a simple way to say I want to bless the Lord with this. Yeah. Well, this this over time this became known as Corban, or as a gift, uh, something that was dedicated unto God. 
what they were doing was they were saying, okay, I have this. Uh, it's kind of like when people try to keep a nursing home from getting all their, their uh, stuff when they are mm-hmm. put in a nursing home. They try to give it away or dedicate it. You know, it's not mine, so it can be. And the government has a way of circumventing that, saying, well, if it was yours in the last five years, we're still going to take it. Um, the, if you have anybody who's ever in a nursing home, you know what I'm talking about. But, the, uh, but they are saying uh, this this would I would normally take care of my parents with this money, but I can't because I've dedicated it to the Lord so it's holy. And and Jesus is saying, No, the 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 greater command is that you honor your father and mother. In fact, that's in the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And uh, and he's saying the penalty of that command is death if you don't obey it. And so you're trying to use, trying to make the word of God a loophole mm-hmm. so that you can continue to do this and, and not be sinning against it. It's kind of like adultery, you yeah. know, try to, uh, yeah, it's like when people say, um, well, if you can't be divorced, uh, I, some, and a lot of churches, Jesus, if, you, if you're divorced, you can't be a deacon. It's like, well, then I'm just going to cheat on my wife. So then I could still be a deacon because I'm technically, I'm not divorced. So I'm just cheating on my wife. So, and if the church goes, oh yeah, yeah, well that's acceptable, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a college that said this girl came to him and she was pregnant. Well, it was if you got if you're pregnant in the school, so, so the counselor counseled her to get an abortion so that she wouldn't be pregnant and she could stay in school. And you see, that is where Pharisaism is present in our church today. When we begin to say, oh, hey, wait a second. This is the rule. So how can I still be o- be obedient to the rule? Oh, I see, the rule, I see, I see. yet uh, yet do and and you wind up doing something much more heinous mm-hmm. uh, according to God's word and so forth. And so it, that's what he's saying. You invalidate the word of God mm-hmm. by by finding these loopholes for sin, and yeah. uh, and and that's and that is what happened. That's the leaven of the Pharisees that Jesus is warning his disciples about because we become more focused. Uh, and he says this, he says, you've become more focused. You uh, Isaiah prophesied, you honor me with your lips, mm-hmm. but your heart is far from me. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is saying, I want you to have, and this is what God's saying, I want you to have a heart like mine. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's why he goes back to, go back to Ezekiel. Uh, the good news of the gospel is, your heart isn't like mine. Mm-hmm. You have a heart of stone. God has to come and give you a heart of flesh. He has to make you a new heart, mm-hmm. give you a new heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does through the, through the miracle of the gospel. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our trust in Jesus Christ, God then makes us new by giving us his heart. And the way we know we've been renewed mm-hmm. is that we demonstrate the heart of Christ and not the heart of man. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something. <laughs> when I, you know, when I've, I've started ministry, for a while now, not like super long, but still for a, a little bit to learn things like this, um, specifically with like being honest and truthful in your words um, compared to like something that we just do as humans is like kind of a dance around the issue. And then you don't really address the issue. You just address other things and hope that the issue gets addressed. Like you dance right. around, you know, like what you're saying, let's uh, go around what's actually happening and then we'll fix the problem, but it never fixes right. the problem. And I, I think about how um, even the other night I was I was talking to a student who's going through something and I was like, how do I not offend the kid? And it was like, well, sometimes you just have to be truthful and honest because if you don't address an issue, then 
the issue doesn't get addressed and then that kid goes on to send even more like whatever right and i just i find that sometimes in ministry it would be a lot easier for me to dance around an issue not be honest not be right. clear with what i'm saying and then that leads either me into sin or lead someone else into sin right. and it's just like ooh, it is hard it that, is hard it's funny she's a dancer on the issue because this thought came in my head there was a time i was in a church and they said um that the youth wanted to do some type of black light interpretive movement and uh and so they had this plan they were practicing and so forth it was just a worship type thing yeah where they have you know what i'm talking about they, yeah they have yeah. song and 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 uh, a lady came and she's like i was reading where interpretive movement is just another word for dancing in the church and she said that's interpretive dancing and i'm like okay and she said well dancing is wrong and we're not going to do it in the church and i'm like she said if we did that in church she named the guy's name she goes he would roll over in his grave meaning one of the guys who had been in the church for a long time and i was like well that's because he's still in a grave we're trying to please the one who's not in the grave <laughs> And yeah. and it's like, and he doesn't have an issue with dancing. Uh, that's something you create. That's a man-made rule, yeah, right. you know. And I and I give it. I get that there is a lasciviousness uh, about dancing inappropriately. Yeah. Uh, but that's not just dancing. That's anything yeah, inappropriately. Right. Uh, you know, being suggestive or erotic or whatever in our, in whatever in anything, in, in anything yeah. right? It, this would, wouldn't it be inappropriate in the church or anywhere uh, for that matter. But uh, but that was not what this was at all. This was just you know movement. Of, of 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 to worship you know and created uh, being artistic in a, in a style of worship just like singing and the type of music you write yeah. and all the different things and i but i was like that was but but you could see it was quickly that conversation went bad mm -hmm. and it became how do we behead the pastor from this day forward yeah. you know it's like we've got to get rid of him because yeah. he doesn't follow our traditions mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and wasn't there much longer after that, but the, but, but that's, but that's what yeah. happens. We get into this, we're not even thinking in terms, mm -hmm. I, I could clearly see that this was not a, I went to the word and really searched out what you were doing and found a conflict. Yeah. It was, no, I, this is what I've always been told, or I've been always been taught by this person. And this is what feels and wrong. And this is this tradition that we've mm -hmm. built up. I was told, well, it feels wrong because you were told it's wrong. Right, absolutely. Without asking yourself, yeah. was that biblical? Yeah. Was I, is this a biblical truth? And we, and that's why it's so important. I mean, that's why we do this. That's why we stay in the word and keep mining the word, going mm -hmm. back to the word, saying, what does God's word actually say? Mm -hmm. And, and that keeps us. Uh, not that there aren't traditions are bad, not that there aren't things, guidelines and policies that we come up with to help us, you know, understand this, you know, but, but it's always remembering, here's what the scripture actually says. Mm -hmm. So if I come into a situation that's in conflict, then I just hold to the word of yeah. God. I say, yeah. well, does God's word actually say, this is what we have to do. And, uh, and that's, and that's what we, and we, and keep, and don't just stop with one verse. But look for the whole counsel of yeah. God's word, and and there's strength, wisdom in the counsel of many elders, which mm -hmm. is another proverb we looked at. But uh, so go to a bunch of people and ask them, do you see anything in the God's word? Do you see anything? But it always has to be grounded in God's word. Make the conversation revolve around what does God's word mm -hmm. have to say about this? So, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, cool. Let's. Uh, that's what we got out of the reading this week. Uh, we're gonna deal with some questions about God's word when we return. Now 
is time for our question and answer segment. And since we already answered one question within the body of the podcast, we just have one more. So, Josh, what is the question? Yeah, so we're in Psalms today. Um, Psalm 30, verse 7 says this. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. This is not the first time we've heard this sort of phrase before. You hid your face from me or... Um, you've hidden your face from me, O Lord. What does that mean? Does God hide his face from his people? Hmm. Well, uh, to to show his face to us, uh, first of all, means that he is showing us his favor, that he is looking at us, that he is seeing um, uh, his, uh, showing us his favor. Um, anybody who would turn away, and, uh, and the idea of when Jesus was on the cross that God turned away from him, uh, would be the same as hiding his face from Christ and so forth. There's this idea that um, that God, uh, you know, that he was forsaken, that uh, and, and he was upon the cross for the sin and so forth that we are. But it's not that God literally is not seeing what is taking place. He's, it's uh, Again, we talked about these anthropomorphisms. We're giving God mm-hmm. human qualities to kind of understand. Uh, the uh, the idea is, is that if when someone turns his face away from me that he no longer is um, seeing my plight, seeing my cause, and so forth. He's I've been shunned. I guess is the best way to think about it. Um, and uh, and so when when there are these the psalm the reason I love the psalms is because it really is him just saying here's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel it's it's like it's like a parent who's willing to say. Just tell me, be honest with me how you feel right now. And, and you're just being honest. I feel like you don't love me. I feel like you don't care about me. I feel like you've neglected me. I feel like, uh, and that's what he's saying. I, I feel like you're hiding your face from me because it sure feels like mm-hmm. I've been laid here desolate and my life has just fallen apart and you don't seem to, you don't hear my prayers. It, 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 if you were looking upon me, that would be even worse because if you're looking upon me and seeing this and you're just allowing it to happen, um. I'm always drawn back to a, a an example that Dr. Dobson gave of where uh, his son had to have a procedure done on his ear, and uh, and they were um, doing the procedure, uh, and they had to strap him to the table, and he mm. was in the room watching it, and as they dig in his ear, uh, trying to save his ear, you know, save his hearing or whatever, it was extremely painful, and so they're holding him down. And he said he fights and he fights and he fights, and he said, and then he stopped fighting. And he just looked at me mm-hmm. and he said, it was just those eyes of how he says, I don't know these people, but you, mm-hmm. you of all people, how could you just let this happen to me? Yeah. You know, and you just are doing nothing and you're thinking you don't care. You yeah. know, obviously I misjudged you by everything that's happening here. This is just real. That's the real guttural feeling of, of what the psalmist is feeling. Now, is it true? Is is God is he hiding his face from us? Is he shunning us? Is he turning away? Well, then we have to have the full counsel of God's word. We're and a, and a, a passage we like to quote over and over again that, that that where he says, "I will never leave you. I will never forsake you." Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's a truth that and he and he doesn't. He doesn't ever leave us. He doesn't ever forsake us. He doesn't ever hide his face from us. It just feels that way in moments. But the reality is, is that we understand God is sovereign that he is in control, that he's over our situation, that he sees your plight. He is like that father in the room. If he's allowing it to happen, it's because it has to happen, because he, it's an act of love. He's actually trying to save you as a result of it. He's, he's saying, 
this was absolutely necessary. And the greatest uh, greatest example we have in that is, in God's word is Jesus and his interaction with his father himself. Mm-hmm. Jesus sinless, absolutely cries out to God and says, God, if if you father, if you would let this cup pass from mm-hmm. me, if you he's saying basically, I really don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. This is there's no pleasure in me at all of being near beaten nearly to death and then killed. Um, I mean that's not the plight I would have, you know, it, like a quick and sudden death would have been a mercy. But uh, so he knew mm. what was coming. And it's like, I do not, if there's another way and to have the father looking at him and saying, there's no other way, you know, it's not that he's, it's, it's an act of love. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have love, a love for his son and that he trust him to see this through a love for us in that he is willing to sacrifice his son in order to restore us. Mm. And and just uh, and so it is. It shows us that God's love is well beyond our mm-hmm. comprehension or ability to understand. So whenever we come to a passage like this, that has to be the thing that you have foremost in your mind. Oh, wait a second. No, wait a second. God's love is so great, so incredible. Mm-hmm. It's so far beyond. And 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 the psalmist doesn't have the advantage that we have. He's he doesn't know the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah. have we have that information. So we yeah. so when we read passages like this. Uh, you know, it has to be followed with, oh no, he doesn't. He does not hide his face mm-hmm. from me. He, uh, but but it but feel also always feel the freedom to make that plea with God. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're in your darkest hour, mm-hmm. uh, I've always heard people say you don't have to protect God's reputation. He can protect his own reputation. Yeah. You don't have to defend God. Mm-hmm. He can defend himself. So if you want to question him, if you want to cry out to him and so forth. It's not about our question him. It's not even about us being afraid. It's about what we do next. It's about it's, do we still trust him? Do we still take mm-hmm. the step? It's like I really think I'm going to die if I take this step. I really am afraid I'm going to die. But you told me to take the step, and I believe mm-hmm. in you, and I trust you, so I'm taking the step. That's what God wants to see in us. Uh, mm-hmm. He wants to see people who are faithful in spite of our fear. There's something that I've been sharing with people for the past uh, week and a half um, that Jackie Hill Perry, once again, you hear me talk about her all the time. You hear me talk about asking questions all the time. And she posted this thing on her Twitter and she shared it. And it's exactly what we're talking about right here. And you you hit on everything. And I think that this is a great closing to what we were just talking about. But she said this, while reading the Psalms, I'm struck by how often God is questioned, why he's allowing this, why he's forsaken that. Suffering makes you curious. And to me, it seems being inquisitive is in fact a healthy part of prayer. Even Jesus in his dying hour asks God a question. Hmm. And it's true. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Super cool. Good stuff. Great question. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time. And um, and please uh, share with others. <laughs> Let them know that we're on YouTube now. So uh, uh, they can watch us on YouTube live when we're uh, doing this. If you want to watch us as we record the uh, podcast live. So uh, that is the understanding jesus podcast episode nine join us next week hopefully we'll have a special guest next week we'll get on that all right take care